Hello, EKN Nation, and welcome to what will probably be one of the final podcasts of the 2019 season. My name is Rob Howden. David Cole, of course, joining us here on the EKN Radio Network. This is episode number three of the EKN Outlap, a brand new podcast show that we debuted for the Supercarts USA Super Nationals, essentially giving us an opportunity to preview an upcoming event in podcast form. We've got lots of great feedback from everyone from EKN Nation, loving the podcast, loving the EKN radio network. So this is kind of a new idea. I'll give the props to Cole. David, this was yours. I appreciate it's that. my baby. But we're going to preview. What's It's, it's your it's baby? baby. Do we need to call it David Cole's EKN Outlap? No, 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 no. I'm not... I am not that. Uh, yeah, no, you don't need to put my name on it. Just, just, just give me the props like you did. We'll give you the nod on a regular basis. Anyways, folks, we're going to preview a race as we always do. The teams, the drivers are competing. Any other special stories surrounding the event? That's what the EKN Outlap is all about. The race we're going to be talking about today, one of the longest run, if not the longest running uh, race that we've seen in this sport. The World Karting Association Daytona Kart Week, presented by Summit Racing Equipment. We'll talk all about what's happening uh, in Daytona between Christmas and New Year's. This edition of the EKN Outlap, presented by Briggs Racing. Briggs & Stratton is powering Operation Grassroots around the world. No other engine manufacturer is getting new and returning drivers to their car track like the Briggs 206. The -the out-of-the-box performance provides the most fun, excitement, and reliability of any karting engine on the global market. Learn more about the 206 engine and the history behind Briggs & Stratton's century-long commitment to motorsports at www.briggsracing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? All right, David Cole, let's jump into this thing, my friend. Uh, The EKN Outlap, episode number three, December the 19th. No, December 20th now. It's the 20th. Uh, what, 11 days left in, in the 2019 calendar year uh, and one more big race to knock out. It's kind of, you, you always say this, it's the last race of 2019, but it's actually the first race of 2020. Yes, our, you know, every sport, motorsport, whether it be stick and ball sport or motorsport, they all have different starting points and ending points in a, in a season. Yeah. And for, for really for karting, it's, it's a, basically a December to November uh, season is, is kind of how we look at things because always every year uh, the, the, the Daytona cart week uh, starts everything off for the upcoming season. And so we, we consider it December as, I mean, really be honest, everything ends with, with Vegas and everything begins with Daytona. That's really how we kind of look at things because there's no really racing going on in the month of December, except for this annual event that we go to and, uh, and many racers go to from around North America. Yeah. You know, there's a couple races here and there. People try to jam some stuff in between the super nationals and, uh, and Daytona, you know, down of course in the South, whether it's Southern California or Florida or Texas, whatever, they may jam a club race in here or something like that. But otherwise, the, the regional and national levels of the sport kind of take things off uh, in no, the end of November uh, to the end of December. So it's really kind of a month break. We all get to press the reset button. We have a good time at Thanksgiving. People start pulling out the Christmas trees, and uh, and we think about uh, the holiday season, and and then we roll into, into the next year. Now, David, I, I know Daytona, of course, near and dear to your heart. You've been there before. You and your father and the family have raced there before. You've been down many times uh, as part of our EKN trackside live coverage. We're not heading down there this year, uh, potentially looking to maybe go back down again in 2020. But David, let's talk a little bit about it, man. It's it's uh, Daytona International Speedway. It's it's Daytona, for God's sakes. It's the Daytona 500. You know, it's it's just that, like, you know, what they call it, the world center of speed, I think is the word they use. Correct. December, 20, December 27th to the 30th, 
right, is the run this year. And I believe that is Friday to Monday. I think that's the call, right? Yeah, it it's always falls on this particular segment of the calendar because it's right after Christmas, right before New Year's. So it's not necessarily a weekend type event. Uh, you know, last year, I believe day one of racing at the Manufactured Cup was on Saturday. So it kind of played out like it was a normal weekend. But uh, it's <laughs> right. never a normal weekend when you're racing at Daytona, especially for a cart week uh, event. You know, everything really began, though, f- uh, 45 years ago uh, with with the awesome? World Karting Association going down to Daytona International Speedway for the first time ever. And it was road racing only. That's what uh, that's kind of what bred this event was road racing, uh, hitting the high banks, going through the infield. Obviously, the the this the uh, the facility has changed over those 45 years. So the track has not always been the same, but it's been your typical 24 hour circuit uh, that uh, the road racing um, section of World Karting Association has been going around. And they've been there every year except for two. Uh, 2006, there was uh, a removal of Daytona Kart Week. Uh, the organization was not uh, behind it 100% at the time, along with, I believe, the Speedway as well. So just things were not on the same page. So 2006, there was no Daytona Kart Week whatsoever. But then 2010, it, we had to miss it uh, road racing-wise because uh, they were paving the uh, the oval. Uh, if everybody remembers, uh, Daytona International Speedway repaved the entire tri-oval uh, from, I believe, they started right after the, the July 4th, 4th of July event, the Firecracker 400 or whatever they call it now, or whatever it was at that time. Uh, right. they, they, <laughs> as soon as that, that event was over, they, they started the uh, repaving of the track. It almost was going to be done, I think, in time for Cart Week, but the facility was... Uh, the facility has decided you know, we're not going to chance it. Let's make everything ready to go for the 24 hours of Daytona, which was coming up in January. So it's a fairly imp- important event. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, it's still one event that we need to go to as well. Uh, I, I've actually been there one oh, time. That's right. Remember, yes, that's I, I right. Down. Yes, but uh, guest of Mazda. That was a lot of fun. Um, and we, yeah, you and I got to get down there for sure. Now, here's one thing I do want to mention, only because you talk about 1974 being the launch. I remember. Uh, when I was in, you know, public school uh, and high school, looking at, you know, looking at books, you know, grabbing the kart racing books that we might have in the library, whatever it may be, and I remember seeing photos from seventy four, probably seventy four to eighty, maybe, uh, of guys driving at Daytona. And of course, I was all into racing. My dad was a, a super late model stock car driver. I lived and breathed stock car racing. But I remember seeing the, the pictures, the photos of the carts at Daytona, thinking, man, that's cool. The, I just, I mean, that kind of caught me early. You know what I mean? It was really, man, that, this be fun. Yeah, I was, I was getting into it later, but really, the '80s were the high point of Daytona Kart Week for road racing. When yeah. you're talking entries over a thousand, uh, you know, 130 in one class, and it <sighs> just, it was just, you know, you talk about the super, the super nationals, the, the the early beginnings of it when they had 70 to 80 guys per class. Well. The Daytona Kart Week, the early days of that uh, for road racing was just amazing when you had that's fields of 130 awesome. and 140. Wow, isn't that that's awesome? So, okay, one of the things obviously about Kart Week that separates it, I think many, not does, but separates from any other event that we've, we have is the fact that WK has essentially all three of their disciplines 
as part of this one big race. There's road racing on the Speedway. Manufacturer's Cup has been at different venues. It's, of course, inside NASCAR Turn 3 and 4 now. And, of course, the Dirt Track, which at one point ran out at uh, Municipal Stadium. It ran at Volusia. We'll talk more about that. It's just outside the track now as well. Uh, David, let's talk a little bit about the Manufacturer's Cup. You know, you've had a chance to be there on many occasions with our EK and Trackside Live coverage. But detail a little bit about the history of the Manufacturer's Cup as a part of WK Cart Week. Yeah, it has a, a long history of being part of Cart Week, not necessarily as much as road racing, but uh, sprint racing in the Manufacturer's Cup Series actually began Cart Week in Jacksonville during the Halloween week. So 1981, everybody was racing in Jacksonville during Halloween. Well, they moved it to the traditional Cart Week week uh, of December dates, uh, racing and they brought it to Daytona for the first time in 1982, just outside, just inside. I, I've talked to Randy Kugler, former WK president. He, be, he believes where it was done was on the backstretch at night under the lights is what he told me. 1982. Really? Now this is really cool and interesting. I got to go get some magazines and kind of look into it. And I, yeah. the story I had, they had no pictures in it, but, uh, I, my dad was able to pull out an old magazine and, and it was a nighttime program. You know, they started practice about seven thirty. So essentially once the road racers got done, they set up like a kidney stone look or kidney looking racetrack on the back stretch, yep. put up some lights and, and ran practice and, and heat races and, and races. So, uh, it was an interesting, <laughs> uh, little, uh, little thing that, uh, that Randy told me and, uh, you know, it would be, you know, it's a lot harder to do, I think, nowadays just because of the number of classes and everything. Because back then you're talking, what, maybe eight, eight classes per day and, and, and not as many racers. But so that that was technically the first time Manufacturers Cup raced inside Daytona was in 1982. After that, they moved to Jacksonville during the December week uh, from 1983 to 2000. A one year stint in Ocala before it actually came back to Daytona in 2002. And it's been uh, at Daytona since then, aside from the 2006 year uh, when there was no uh, event that year, uh, following that that absence, they actually ran a WK Gold Cup race on the uh, on the circuit in April of 2007, and then 2007 to now they've had the Manufacturers Cup inside turns three and four there since then, uh, 13 years in a row now, 17th in total at Daytona. Yeah, it's interesting that the that uh, the, the different venues for the Manufacturers Cup, where they were part of the of the WK Cart uh, Week event, and it was kind of cool when obviously everything started to come together, right? And 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 we'll talk more when we cap off about our own personal experiences as, as part of Cart Week. But uh, yeah, it's it's obviously found a home. Uh, the track there, you know, we've been there. You've been there a lot more than I have. I've been there on many occasions myself, and I think the racing's fantastic on that particular racetrack. I love the venue, obviously. Let's talk dirt now, because obviously one of the big things about the WKA and its all-encompassing program with the three different disciplines, give us a little history on the dirt program as part of Cart Week. Well, that began in 1981 at Memorial Stadium. Now, Memorial Stadium is not the stadium you're thinking of. It actually was the site of the dirt race for the first few years, uh, and it was located east of the Speedway off 92 behind the hospital, so kind of in that area, so... We're all used to Municipal, municipal Stadium, Stadium, yeah, which is uh, west or west of Daytona International Speedway on the other side of the uh, interstate that side. Uh, so it actually began at Memorial Stadium and it moved to Volusia uh, through 1985 through 1987 as they were building uh, 
the uh, ah, I can never say this name. Municipal Stadium. Municipal Stadium. Yeah, I can't say it. It's <laughs> Dude, too many eyes. Too many eyes. That's awesome. Municipal. I just call it the stadium. How about that? Let's call let's call it the stadium for for the rest of this podcast. Yeah, the stadium. <laughs> so while that was being built, they raced in Volusia. So uh, for one, two, three years there, 1988, they moved to this brand new stadium. And of course, from 1988 to 2005, it was the event uh, for yeah. dirt racing. Massive. Uh, massive event. Uh, obviously, uh, 2006 was a transition year where they had no Daytona at all. Uh, the dirt race was actually held uh, at Volusia for 2006 and 2007. Uh, and then after that, there was actually no dirt race in 2008 during, uh, you know, again, a, a little bit of a transition period. Uh, but when Daytona International Speedway decided to build uh, the dirt track outside turn two, uh, it allowed the uh, WK to bring the dirt racing back and right at the international speedway there uh, with that uh, with the dirt track that's out there. And they've so since 2009 to now, they have uh, that has been the home for the dirt world championships. Yeah, it'll be the 11th edition on that track just outside of turn number two. And uh, always fun to go you know, when we're there, get a chance to go there at night because they run it under the at least. They ran it under the lights when we were there. It was a lot of fun to watch. And I know you took some video when you were down there last time, which was great. Just good to see the the, the dirt event get some roots. And, you know, we'll talk later on in the uh, in this uh, this podcast. I had a chance to chat with WK President Kevin Williams. We talked a little bit about the dirt program and how it's kind of grown and, and what they've been able to do. They've got some great partners with the dirt program. We don't focus a lot on dirt here, of course, on ecardinews.com, primarily sprint and, and road racing. But we wanted to bring the dirt program in. When we get back, folks, uh, we're going to jump right in. We have a, a, a commercial break here. We come back to this edition of the EKN Outlap. David is going to talk a little bit more about the Bridgestone Manufacturers Cup Series. Some of the, we'll, we'll look at some of the categories. We'll talk a little bit about the news. Set you the preview of the Manufacturers Cup Race as part of the WKA Cart Week for 2019. Top quality material, all presented in fluorescent yellow. You've seen it. And now you need to choose the flow. Since 2005, J3 Competition has been capturing major victories and championships both on and off the track, redefining the industry with each move. The company took its unparalleled knowledge and rolled it into their own chassis line in 2015, the Comp Cart. The CIK FIA homologated brand has been winning races ever since. There are three Comp Cart models to choose from. The Covert 3.0 R19 is the latest design for tag and shifter competition. The Covert 4R serves several popular categories, including 100cc and Briggs 206 racing. The Ranger 28 model is designed for cadet racing and will be the official chassis of the Minimax division at the 2019 Rotax Challenge Grand Finals in Sarno, Italy. And lastly, new carters can get right into the comp cart product from the beginning, running the micro cart in the kid cart division. Visit j3competition.com for more on the fastest growing chassis line in the world. Do it now. Choose the flow. For over a century, Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you cart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge. The dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. 
Briggs and Stratton Racing. What powers you? The 2019 season is rapidly coming to a close, and it's time to start thinking about 2020. Get out your calendar and mark off the dates for the fastest growing Rock Cup program in the U.S., the Challenge of the Americas. It's our 13th season and year three of our Rock Focus, and 2020 will be the biggest yet. As always, the Challenge features three race weekends at three of the finest tracks in the West. The Muscleman Honda Circuit in Tucson, Cal Speed Karting in Fontana, and Sonoma in NorCal Wine Country. Our classes include Micro, Mini, Junior, Senior, and Masters Rock, our multi-manufacturer 100cc Junior, Senior, and Masters level, and our well-supported Rock Shifter and Rock Shifter Masters program. We're by far the largest shifter program in the West, with 56 unique competitors and an average of 32 shifter drivers in just two categories this past winter. While other West Coast programs are shrinking, the Challenge of the Americas and Rock are growing. With over 125 entries at last year's opener, 150 plus is certainly a possibility for 2020. So make sure you're part of the fun. Prizes include tickets to the massive Rock Cup Super Final and the Rock the Rio event in Las Vegas. The Challenge opener is less than four months away, so head to our website at challengecarding.com, pull out that calendar, and lock in the dates. We'll see you in Tucson. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, the third edition of the EKN Outlap. It is December 20th, 2019. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Coles. We preview the upcoming WK Cart Week at Daytona International Speedway. David, let's start talking about the Manufacturers Cup. We'll kind of split this into three different groups. Let's talk Manufacturers Cup right now, a new format for 2020. Yeah, new format for the series, uh, something that we're really excited about. Uh, they tried it for one year, I believe, uh, 2012, maybe 2013. Uh, they tried to go with a one final format for every event. Uh, and it's, I think especially for Daytona because of the time crunch with uh, sunlight being right. so scarce and not <laughs> as long as, as, as the summer days. Now they've gone through for the whole 2020 Manufacturers Cup Series program. They've gone to one final per event. Uh, so day one will be practice and qualifying. Day two will be progressive heats. And then day three will be your main event. So um, it's, I make uh, you happy? It, it does make me happy. I'm glad to see it. And I think racers are going to like it. Uh, especially in the larger categories. I mean, it's, it, it's, it is a bit tougher in the smaller uh, size categories because you have to go out there and, and kind of do the same thing over and over again. But in the larger categories, it's really cool to see the heat races, especially, especially being progressive. So you move up one heat race, you move up the next heat race and we've seen it, uh, you know, at other events as well. So it's, it's a fun little, uh, unique, uh, um, format to do that, but essentially, the biggest part is is there's one winner per cast per class, and that's the yeah. biggest thing that that we've been fighting over. We don't we don't like we understand the the need to having two finals on a weekend. We understand the warm fuzzy feeling that that people get about it. But any 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 form of racing, there's always one winner per race, and that's that's what you want to see. And now now we have that with uh, the Manufacturers Cup Series. You know, Dave, the interesting thing about the Manufacturers Cup Series and what WK has done this year, they really have put it in a blender and shooken things up. 
a new format, uh, a new class structure with a bunch of new categories in. They changed up the schedule a little bit. Uh, we, you, primary, but both of us pleading for less less races because there's just too many races uh, last year. They cut things down a little bit. Let's talk about the new class structure. Twelve categories, but I think the big one. You know, we'll talk about what's returning and what's not around. The big thing is the fact that they have WK has really partnered up with Rock Cup USA to bring those rock classes uh, into Man Cup this year. Yeah, that's the key component to uh, the 2000 or 2020 class structure uh, that includes 12 classes this year. Um, the only returning categories we have from last year are Mini Swift X30 Junior and Briggs Cadet 206. So those are the only classes that are returning. New for this year is Micro Rock, Mini Rock, Junior Rock, Senior Rock, Master Rock, Shifter Rock, and Shifter Master Rock. So those are the the core Rock Cup USA categories that we see throughout the country. Those are going to be part of Manufactured Cup Series this year. And um, you add in the VLR engine in with the K100 engine, and now you have a combined 100cc junior class and a combined 100cc senior class. So those will round out the categories for 2020 season. Missing and out uh, this year are X30 Senior, Micro Swift, and Kid Cart that were in from last year. So those three categories we are not returning. Yeah, if, for all intents and purposes, the main cup has kind of become the East Coast, you know, national, let's, let's say East Coast, national, regional, whatever you want to call it, program for Rock Cup USA, right? They've they've brought all the categories in. They still have their well-supported Mini Swift, X30 Junior, and Briggs Cadet classes. Uh, but for, yeah, for the most part, it's become a Rock Cup program uh, for the East, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, I think. Yeah, and it, it's a great, you know, again, in order to, to grow, you can't just be top level. And, and I think Rock Cup it sees that. And now so they're they're working with WK to help grow more of a base. Because, again, a lot of WK racers come from the club levels. So um, it, it's it's a great way to to help grow the Rock Cup USA program. And uh, one, one of the other components of the change, you, you, you said it, it, it well with, with the Rock Cup program. I, I was just going to roll into the fact that you know, one of the other changes – is schedule wise, you know, they bring back right. the Florida Winter Cup Series using Daytona and Orlando in February, in mid, what, late February, I guess, February 21, 22, 23 for the second round of the Florida Winter Cup Series at Orlando. But then they changed around the Man Cup schedule as well, David. It's kind of something that you've been kind of pushing at and asking for. And less is more is the word we always use. And WK obviously under, seeing that, maybe hearing that. And, and they, they cut their schedule down for 2020 as well. Yeah, if you look at the overall picture, there's they still have seven events that they're going to do through 2020. But for Manufacturer Cup alone itself, it's just now down to four events because, again, less is more. And so you begin here with Daytona. You move to Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's moved to April uh, April weekend of 17, 18, 19. Uh, Newcastle Motorsports Park in July 10, 11, and 12. So that's going to be the third event of the year. And then the finale is going to be down at Orlando Kart Center in October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So a great section of different areas of the East Coast because you have your Charlotte, you have your Newcastle to hit the Midwest. Everybody goes to Daytona, and then you go back to to Florida to to wrap it all up. So a great cross section regarding uh, different regions of the East coast. So that's a great plus. And again, only having four events, it allows people to be able to go off and, and continue to focus on their club racing or do other regional programs or do national events and still be able to have the opportunity to race for a manufacturer's cup series title. 
Okay, let's focus now on the Manufacturer's Cup opener, which is Daytona Kart Week. Let's talk a little bit about it. 165 total pre-entries. They had to lock things down <clears throat> Excuse me, at, uh, at December the 10th. Uh, because you'll hear from when I talk to, to Kevin Williams that uh, they kind of have to lock everything down because they essentially load the entire shop and the entire office into the trailers, head down to Daytona to start setting up. So 165 is a total pre-entries, David. What are you hearing in terms of big numbers? Well, I think the, the biggest, from the numbers that we got from uh, WK, the biggest categories that uh, are at the event are three of them, and they're all above 30 drivers for pre-entries. We knew Briggs 206 Cadet was going to be big again this year as it was last year but to reach that that number is huge for for that category and shows a lot of youth uh that are still behind the manufacturer's cup program and of course the the 100 cc categories are going to be big as well and they're above 30 with both in junior and senior uh that's uh it's really kind of what were the numbers were last year uh towards the end of the season for manufacturer cup series with those three categories really standing out as the lead categories and they're continuing now heading into Daytona. So uh, that's going to be big. Those are going to be fun classes to watch really. Uh, interesting note that you have down in our script, David, talking about the fact that only two drivers actually racing in three classes. Normally that's something we used to see all the time, but only two drivers doing the triple. Yes. Back in, well, what over a decade ago when they had, you know, three classes, basically per age group, you had your HPV, you had your Comers, you had your Yamahas for all cadet, junior and senior. Well, senior had tag and, and Yamaha and, and KPV and everything. So guys, guys were really used to doing that triple stint per day. And it kept, <laughs> it kept things yeah. a lot busy, especially with having three different carts all under the same tent. Uh, just for one driver, it uh, it kept things a lot busy, and yeah, it was a very common thing we used to see uh, guys doing three three categories. Now it's down to really only two categories uh, per series that we go to, really typically per age group. Uh, so this this is a unique event because we haven't seen three classes for an age group in a long time. But now that we have uh, a Mini Swift and micro swift or micro rock and then the briggs cadet that allows three cadet categories parker DeLong's is going to be the lone cadet driver doing all three and then in junior you have x30 junior you have uh, 100cc junior and you have junior rock and the only driver doing that is connor zillage so those those two drivers are going to have a very very not necessarily them because they just get in and drive but their their parents their mechanics their Whoever, whoever's around them is going to be busy. That's for sure. So do you want to jump into some of the categories here a little bit and talk about, uh, talk about who we, who we, who we're looking at? What do you think? I think, I think one of the, the notable things to kind of watch, uh, will be in the senior rock division. We have a driver as Luca Mars moving up to the senior ranks. Uh, he's been a, a one of the, he was one of the top junior drivers, uh, throughout 2019 season, along with Luke Lang, another top junior driver. These two guys are moving up to senior. Uh, so that's going to be interesting yeah. to watch. But w the one guy that's going to be in that category with them that uh, has was one of those guys who used to run three <laughs> categories per day, Santino Ferrucci, uh, the IndyCar driver um, that we have gotten to know over the last decade, if not, not longer, longer yeah. than that. Uh, from kid carts all the way up through uh, now into IndyCar. Uh, you get to interview him here once in a while uh, during the IndyCar radio broadcast, but uh, he's coming back to his roots. And uh, I, I, it's got to be at least, oh, 
five, five, six, seven years that uh, that he has been I, at Daytona Kart. Yeah, race. I, I think you're. I'm thinking the last time you probably interviewed him at a, at a kart race. I'm, I'm thinking it might have been when he was running Jika. I, I don't even. Did he even? Did he run any senior karting here? I don't know. No senior yeah, karting. So it had to, it, ha- it could be late 2000s then. Yeah. So we're, we could be 10 years ago. So he's going to run, I believe, with Chris Rock Motorsports on a Swiss hot list. He did, he's been doing some testing. So he's been in the cart. So it'll be interesting to see what Santino could do. He could, he could race for the win. But, is, but as yeah. you said, he's going to run against some young guns here right now. Luca Mars, Edward Ports, Luke Lang, Julia Booz is racing as well. This should be interesting. Well, he's doing double duty because he's also racing in the senior 100 CC category <laughs> too. Uh, so, but that that class is loaded with talent. Uh, you got Brandon Jarzakrak being one of them. Luca Mars is doing both double duty as well. Luke Lang doing double duty. Um, you know, so a lot of a lot of strong drivers are going to be in that 100 CC category. Yeah, I'm scrolling um, down through. Scroll, I'm scrolling Emery down Lida. through. Yeah, yeah. The both Bailiff of, brothers from uh, Trinity Karting Group. They're going to. They're going to drop the te- the uh, the the shifter in the uh, the X30 and drop and go to uh, 100 CC category. So that'll be cool to see. Uh, both Venberg's Ari and Jake going to be racing. So uh, and Julia hey, Blues, about, that's uh, a good good one in uh, 100 how CC about, as well. How about Super Nationals winner Pauli Massimino? That's right. Yeah, right? you cannot forget that. <laughs> no way. Adam uh, Garrett Adams too going to run. Yeah, I'm scrolling down here. Love yeah, it. Yeah, so it's it's going to be it's going to be a good field, and I think yeah. I think the junior 100 CC category is just going to be just as strong as well. A lot of young drivers that uh, were racing junior uh, will be back again. Uh, Adam Maxwell uh, is Connor one Zillage. of them. Connor Zillage, obviously yeah. super fast doing the triple duty, uh, but you also have some uh, some cadet drivers moving up. Uh, Adam yeah. Brickley is one of them, so he's going to be. Uh, he, I believe he was a champion in WK. Uh, in Anderson the, Leonard too. Yep. Anderson Leonard, another one moving up, uh, uh, Logan Adams. He's, uh, he ran junior this past year was one of the top drivers in junior. Uh, so he'll be back. Uh, yeah. So those, those three categories are going to be fun to watch. And then there's a lot of young guns in, in, in the mini swift and especially in the Briggs 206 cadet, you know, that in that category, you just never know who's going to stand out because the, the competition is so tight. Yeah, you know, I'm look. I'm just scrolling through it real quickly, right? You got Ben Mayer, you got Parker DeLong, Arrington Grimm. We're, we're talking race winners, right? Austin Olds was so good at the Super Nationals; he was fast. He and Spencer Conrad, of course, going at it at the Super Nats. You just keep scrolling up to some of these names of guys that have got, you know, Jacob Shively. Um, you know, the guys we've been talking about for a full year, David. This, I, I think, this race is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Oh, for, without a doubt. I, anytime you get carts. 30 or more <laughs> you can yeah. you just kind of like all right let's see who who, who can able who's <laughs> able to uh, unshake everybody i like it so there folks a little look at some of the categories at the uh, wk manufacturers cup component of wk cart week which is coming up between christmas and new year's you know what this is part of the, of the outlap program i actually had a chance as i said before to talk to uh, to wk president the president kevin williams here's the interview that i have with kevin Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here on the EKN Radio Network and our third edition of this Outlap podcast. I'm sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're talking right now on, what, December the 19th. It is, uh, it's a, a week away, essentially, from the race, a little over, a little under a week, over a week away, rather, uh, from the race. WK Cart Week, you're the WK president. Um, I, I got to expect that you've had your head down for the last couple of months because I just don't think anybody understands how much work goes into putting on three major events at Daytona International Speedway. 
Absolutely. You know, and this is our 45th edition at Daytona uh, for the Daytona Cart Week, which is a feat in itself. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to put on a national race for one series, but to do three of them. Right. Thank, <laughs> thankfully, it's at the same facility, which, you know, our partners at Daytona International Speedway are just fantastic. But um, uh, we, we basically start planning for Daytona uh, mid-January. So uh, this is an all-year affair between uh, our amazing people in our office and all of our officials and uh, workers, volunteers, and then, of course, uh, in conjunction with the Speedway. Um, it's, it's a huge undertaking. But, you know, listen, we do it for one reason, one reason only, and that's for the racers. So, um, if, And uh, we subscribe to the same theory that the Speedway does. If we have a safe, successful event with great racing, then uh, everybody wins. So here's my question. You know, obviously you've been in the position as WK president for a little while now. You've coming in inheriting a lot of the, I don't say some of maybe some of the issues you had to deal with, some of the positives. How much how much of of the WK Car Week is plug and play based on the fact you've been there so long? Like you said, the forty fifth anniversary of the program starting back in 19, uh, 1974 with the road race program. How much of it is plug and play? How much are you just kind of getting back and doing what you did before? But how much is new? How many hurdles do you have to go through in a new year? Well, you know, anybody in karting will say that, that you never have seen it all, right? Yeah. And same with any motorsport. <laughs> but yeah. uh, uh, I, you have to surround yourself with a strong community. Um, and the folks of the Speedway is are, are just that, is along with our staff. And a lot of our staff, is they're in there uh, you know, either anywhere from fifth year to, to uh, 25th year yeah. at Daytona. So uh, some of those things are... Uh, organic and natural, but, uh, you know, we still have to keep up with the times and keep things fresh. Um, like, uh, this year we actually added starting lanes in the sprint track first time ever at a WK race. Uh, is so, um, you know, still, still need to uh, keep things updated and fresh, even though we're at the same facility and let's face it, who doesn't want to be in Florida in December, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. And then the funny thing is, is that you said it, there's a lot of work going on. I saw it on social media and that you guys had posted a photo of the staging lanes that, you know, the tram lanes going in for the starts on, on the sprint track overall, how, how are pre-race uh, preparations going? Are you happy with uh, the prep that's been done so far? You know, I am. Uh, we, we are happy with the preparations. And again, it's a, a, a huge uh, attribute to uh, our team that, that has done this before. Um, uh, but also, you know, listen, the racers give us input. And I mean, that's what the association of WK is, is, is getting input from our membership, you know. Um, but uh, we're real pleased. We, um, you know, one thing we we're not really all that fond of is we have to stop taking uh, uh, pre-registrations December 10th. And the reason for that is it, literally our entire office gets loaded into two trailers and goes down <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. between the 13th and the 17th of December. And as you mentioned uh, earlier, you saw some of the photos that we put on social media that you, you, we do a complete setup because then people can come back, relax, do a couple last minute button up things, uh, enjoy Christmas and uh, holidays with their family. And then, you know, it, before sunup on the 26th, we all head south. That's it, right? Okay, so <clears throat> let's talk Manufacturers Cup. That's we, David and I just kind of uh, went over how the, the Bridgestone Manufacturers Cup Series program is rolling out for this year at, at Cart Week. A new relationship with the WK with the Rock Cup Promotions and Rock Cup USA. Can you talk a little bit about WK bringing on their officials as well, including the race director, Chuck Yoder? 
Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Chuck w- has been a part of, uh, of WK for a long time. Um, and he's done other things with, uh, rock and road tax over the years. Indeed. And, uh, he's, you know, he's very well respected. He's, uh, uh, he's, he himself has built a decent team, uh, with the rock guys. And so, um, uh, we wanted to bring that, uh, uh bring that professionalism to the manufacturer's cup, um, uh, not that I don't enjoy doing uh, doing uh, race director duties, but uh, you know I, I got to be presidential also. But. <laughs> yeah, a little busy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, but you know, uh, so that professionalism and that uh, experience is is coming to the Manufacturers Cup with him and his team, and uh, also with our new partner Rock Cup USA. Those uh, racers, uh, you know, they they will see a more seamless transition. Uh, from uh, just a standard Rock Cup race to another association, WK, putting on a national race on their behalf. You know, David and I talked uh, earlier in the podcast here about the fact that the new format for 2020 is, you know, day one, practice and qualifying, day two, the progressive heat races, then single final on day number three. I want to get your thoughts on the new format because because David and I have always been asking for one winner events, right? As a as a journalist covering a race, you want to leave the track and say this is the guy or girl that won the race, right? At this particular track. that's right. As opposed to <laughs> well, well, well that's you know, I won on Saturday, yeah. he won on Sunday, so we both we're both right. kind of winners. So what do you think about that's it? That's right. What are your thoughts? You know, you, you know, um, we, we go to an IndyCar race, one guy kisses the trophy. Yep. You know, you go to a NASCAR race, one one driver kisses that trophy, and uh, you know we're just as exciting as any of those and um it we being carding and i think it 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 uh it is a much more um a much more uh, successful event when you just have the one champion the one winner uh the one uh the one person that worked all through those heat races because listen qualifying heat races i mean that's just equally if not more important than than you know how they work out the final right so um uh but um we, we really wanted to make sure that uh there that our events were something special and to have that coveted prize i mean that's that that just brings the bragging rights right back up and um, makes for great championships at the end of the season as well well kevin that's that's true for sure but the interesting thing is you know i've been around a long time you've been around a long time ikf days stars of carding days cik days or cki days uh it the, the industry goes back and forth the community does right they, they love the one winner and then they go back and forth. Well, if you had two main events, and if you have a bad race on Saturday, you get to come back on Sunday and race again, right? And then we go back to, hey, we want one single winner. We always seem to go back and forth on that. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's interesting too. But uh, with the format of having heat races, et cetera, you can still have a bad Saturday and recover on Sunday and still come out as the winner. Uh, like there's that. been there's been plenty of uh, uh, CIK races where, you know, people had to race into the second chance heat and start last in the final and still come out winners, even at world championship level. So, um, you know, it, the the beautiful thing is we provide enough track time, enough heat race opportunities The the qual- the qualifying format is qualifying practice. So they're on track for, you know, 7, 10, 12 minutes, whatever the number is, and uh, have plenty of time to make up for that as well. You know, Kevin, one of the things I wanted to bring up with you, we, Dave and I talked about the fact that there's, there's no X30 senior this year. There's no Microswift on the, on the Manufacturers uh, Cup. There's no kid cart either. But you guys have put a, 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 a straight-up kid cart national championship program together for Orlando, Charlotte, Newcastle, 
and Whiteland. What was the what was the idea behind uh, what led to the separation of the class from the Manufacturers Cup to make it its own national championship? A lot of thought went into that. A lot of thought, a lot of input from the parents, a lot of input from parents that uh, uh, haven't even gotten to kid carts or already graduated from kid carts. Um, so, <clears throat> um, our 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 situation at Daytona is number one daylight. Uh, yeah, number that, two, right? yep. yeah, yeah. Number two is, um, um, is, uh, you know, how do you ser- best service the community for people that are coming in the case of the IME 30? I mean, IME has been a great partner. Uh, however, those drivers, we would see them only the one time a year. And, uh, you know, in essence, it was an average of eight racers at every single race for the yeah. course of the year, if not less. And so, uh, we wanted to make that time slot available for, for other racers, um, and in the case of the kid carts, I mean, that's the, that's the future of our sport, right? So, um, you know, that's, it's really a development. We're the, we're the only association that, that brings kid carts on a national level, uh, the only ones. So True. we thought we would, um, we would better serve that, that community by offering them their own national championship. Um, you know, you go to an IndyCar race and they're not always racing with the Indy lights, right? Uh, you go to a NASCAR race and the Xfinity drivers not always racing with the Monster Cup guys. It's the same type of t- scenario. We had X number of dates and we can highlight the kid carts in their own races with these other with these other programs. So their first race is actually in February at Orlando, which is which we all know is what two miles from the entrance to Walt Disney World. Yeah, true enough. So yeah. I mean, you know, uh, so. Uh, and that could be helpful too, and could be a good experience for those families. Uh, and that's a great track for, uh, for the kid cart age. And, um, then we wrap them up and they're, they're included in, in the Grand National event, um, uh, at, uh, at Newcastle for the Man Cup. Uh, and then they, and then they have their own, their own Grand National, uh, at the end of the year too. So, nice. um, it, that way it kind of highlights them. We're, you know, we didn't want to give the impression we were taking anything away from them, but we wanted them to see that, we're actually presenting them more than we ever have. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. That, well, I like that. That's an interesting deal. I know that the, the kid cart families are very passionate about being in the sport. You know, they really want to be able to race and compete. So I, I like this. I like this program. Now, let's cap That's off. Sure. Let's cap things off, Kevin, on this edition of the uh, the Outlap again, talking with WK President uh, Kevin Williams. The new season begins with. Uh, Summit Racing Equipment becoming the presenting sponsor of the WKA. I, th- I think that's huge to get a kind of out of karting, you know, company coming in to support the sport. They obviously see that we're the grassroots level, the foundation of all of motorsports. Can you tell us how that deal came about? What are some of the benefits that WK members are probably going to see with this new partnership? Yeah, so um, this this relationship kind of started the beginning of uh, last year, and. You know, when you're mid-season, as you well know, Rob, uh, you know, budgets are either committed or spent by mid-year, right? So uh, it was difficult to um, to uh, ask for a full sponsorship deal and put them in that position. But, um, you know, Summit Racing is like any other uh, any other company that, that wants to dabble in karting. They want to have access to uh, their brand in front of people that they would not normally have access to. And that's kind of what a partnership does. Indeed. And a lot of my goals have always been to to find partners from outside the sport, uh, which you know we're we're st- you're starting to see us do on on a, on a larger level. Uh, geez, I've had probably four conversations this week with folks from outside the sport because I wanted to help not only help the sport but help the people in the sport. Um, so our relationship with Summit, and they've been extremely generous. 
Um, we, they're actually giving, um, uh, they're actually providing us with a, a load of discounts and, um, uh, and uh, gift cards for our drivers, which we'll give away throughout the year and all of our programs uh, from dirt to road race to, to sprint racing, as well as um, uh, discount code coupons, uh, which, you know, if somebody didn't get the gift, co- gift card, they can still take advantage of some discounts by shopping at uh, summitracing.com. Um, so that was really it. And they've been so generous and so nice. I mean, they've provided our podium winners with caps and things like that. And uh, we started at Charlotte last year where they actually, they, they turned up with uh, easy ups to give away, which we gave away to the drivers and nice strong ones too. lounge chairs for the, you know, for people in their pit spaces. Uh, you know, they provide decals and coupon books and, uh, the racers have responded. I mean, I've, I've, I bought all, all K&N filters for all my cars through them. Uh, so it's working for them. It's working for us. And, um, you know, everybody wins and, uh, you're going to see more of that out of WK in the well, future. Well, Kevin, obviously a lot of work being done between the end of last year and the start of this year. And of course, that's not the only time, right? It's not in that window. You guys between the last race and the first race but no way it's, it's an, as you said you had a bunch of uh, conversations already and i'm sure it's going to happen over the next 12 months as well but hey congrats congrats number one on all the uh, all the success what you guys have been able to do to kind of evolve the program i think the rock cup usa partnership is going to be interesting it's going to afford rock cup racers a, a series that they're going to be able to run on the east coast which i think will probably eventually gain some good uh, some good momentum you got some strong numbers as well for man cup and 206 cadet and both the 150 junior and senior classes, as you said, when you when you have to wrap up regist- pre-registration on you know, December 10th, you know you're going to get lots of walk-up because you guys have been had so busy. You have lots of at-track entries, but even road race looks like it's some some pretty amazing numbers. The, the laydown stuff's coming back a bit. Uh, you know, Rick Folks and I chatted about that. We'll talk about that more in the podcast later in the podcast. But there's just a lot of momentum right now for WK in in a bunch of different areas. There, there is, and our dirt program has has gained a lot of speed. We made a big hit, impact uh, with our Daytona yeah, event yeah. last year, and then of course uh, at Charlotte. I mean, we we would post a video on on social media of that Charlotte track. It's the largest largest go kart track anybody's <laughs> ever seen. Uh, even though we cut it down from their regular size, and uh, I mean, within hours we'd have fifty, sixty thousand views of people saying, you know, we're get the tagging their friends, load up your cart nice. and show up. And now we're starting to see that with Daytona also. And uh, the folks that we have helping us prepare tracks has just been a godsend to the dirt racer because, um, uh, you know, Daytona is, is such a unique surface uh, being at the beach and so different than the clay type surface you see at at, um, at uh, Charlotte. Uh, so we expect really big numbers from the dirt program. We've already, uh, we're already up about 25% at the road race program. Like you said, a lot of the lay down guys are coming back. Uh, we added uh, we added a couple engines. We added the VLR to the uh, 100cc package, so that that naturally brought some people. We made some more uh, safe uh, safe rules or uh, user user friendly rules uh, in road racing, so that's helpful. And um, and uh, since I've been president, I've spent a lot of time building back bridges that may have been lost at some point, and uh, that's starting to pay off as well because of our relationship with some partners that, um, you know, some tracks and some clubs and things like that have really helped our schedule come together for road racing as well. And uh, as David will tell you, on the sprint side, we went down to, from six races to four races on our National Manufacturers Cup, and that allows people, in our partnership with Rock Cup, we, we alleviated six races on a national scale in the course of the year. That frees up the Carter's time. And so uh, it allows them opportunity to come to the races and still go to the go to the lake and 
enjoy the boat on the day they want to. And sure enough. So, um, you know, every, everybody wins. And again, we do this, we do this for the racers. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here on the Outlap. We appreciate it. Excellent, excellent show. Good luck with it. Thank you for having me. Kevin Williams, folks, the president of the WKA. More to come, folks. we got lots to talk about after this break here on the EKN Radio Network. With over 35 years of manufacturing experience, Precision Karting Technologies is the leader in American-made components. We produce high-quality products led by our full line of chromoly and mild steel axles. Metric or imperial, standard or custom, we have what you need. Collars, keys, bearings, we're the source for axle components in the USA. We're not just axles either. At PKT, we can manufacture motor mounts, hubs, brake rotors, and even GoPro mounts. We're also the choice for axle and chassis straightening. We've designed a dedicated table for the sole purpose of straightening and laser aligning your chassis. If needed, we have the capability to cut, replace, and weld portions of your chassis as well. Big crash bent your frame? Send it to us. Broke a spindle yoke off in a wreck? We can replace it. You don't need to toss that expensive frame in the trash bin. We can fix it. We can repair and straighten chassis, and we CNC machine the finest carting products in the country. With over 70 dealers throughout the U.S. and Canada, it's easy to choose PKT. Family owned and operated, proudly made in the U.S.A. PKT, what's in your cart? In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience. We can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at franklincart.com where all of our products are just a mouse click away and we ship daily. We're constantly adding new products to our online store, so keep checking back. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, and of course, our championship-winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find Molecule Cleaning Products, minus 273 racing gloves, micron gauges and components, and both MG and Bridgestone tires. If you're ready to take your racing to the next level, come and join us at Team FMS. We've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for many years, from providing a helping hand on weekday test outing or at a club event to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For 2019, we'll be attending the Superkart USA Winter Series, WK Manufacturers Cup, United States Pro Kart Series, and the Route 66 Kart Racing Series. And we'd love to have you under our tent at Merlin Nation. For all things karting, visit... FranklinCart.com. Do you want to drive the best? Drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for tag race, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4 
which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nornam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howard alongside David Cole. This is episode number three of the EKN Outlap. David and I previewing the upcoming WKA Cart Week. We've wrapped things up with the Manufacturers Cup Series. As you heard before the break, I had a chance to speak with WKA President Kevin Williams. David, let's go into kind of another part of your wheelhouse, and that's the Vega National Road Racing Series. There's uh, it's kind of a cool little... Uh, let's say, is it revitalization? Would that be the good word? A resurgence potentially of road racing? Uh, more serious kind of working together with each other. There's a, We're seeing a resurgence in guys running laydown categories, which I think is super cool. What are your thoughts on, on the road racing program? I know you've been down there. You're a former racer down at Daytona. Yeah, my first year was 96. And yeah, it's a bit of a, a resurgence. I think that's a good word because it's, as you yeah. said, uh, road racing is a different animal in terms of karting uh, because the the facilities we go to are expensive as hell and <laughs> there's no, there's no, yeah. there's no beating it. around it. And you know, you, I don't think people understand. I don't think people understand that David. That's one of the biggest hurdles, especially if sprint guys don't realize what it costs per day to get one of these big tracks. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you talk, you hear guys bitching about racing at the super nationals for what? $1,200. That includes two sets of tires and fuel and oil. Yeah. And they're bitching about racing for five days outside a Las Vegas hotel. And I'm like, man, some some guys would pay that just to race at Daytona. And thankfully, prices still are at you know $150 just to for to race one class in road racing, and to to pay for a facility. Now, I don't now again, Daytona is a different monster. But you go to other just just regular club like country club style tracks that are you know two miles or longer, and you're looking at anywhere between five and ten thousand dollars per day. And that per day, that's yeah. per day. That's Friday, one ten thousand. Saturday, ten thousand. Sunday, ten thousand. So you need to bring in thirty thirty grand in entry fees alone just to pay for the facility. That doesn't count ambulances. Yeah. That doesn't count workers. That doesn't count anything else you need to bring in to make the event go on. So that's that's one of the the things that people don't really understand about road racing. But thankfully, you know we're we're. Again, not everybody wants to get into a laydown and race, so that's that's always the other hurdle that uh, that 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 sport has. So it's it's allowing the the guys that race at sprint tracks and coming directly to a road race and not having to change anything. That's that's the easiest way to get people hooked on the speed of road racing because again, everything's so flat out. Yeah, well, so so talk about the the uh, the event at Daytona that is part of the Vega National Road Racing Series. Great thing about it is, and for me, David, and you obviously did this from 96 on, your family's done it forever. I remember the first time I got a chance to road race. I think it might've been the, actually might've been the only road race I've ever done was at mid Ohio. I, I think it was 2000 or 2001. Um, you know, I got a chance to race there. There was 74 shifters in the category. I started right in the middle of 37th, but from then on, I remembered, I could always say now I, later I got a chance to race a car there, but I got a chance to say I raced at mid Ohio. And I remember for what, like watching Indy car races after that, you know, that first time going, yeah, I remember that corner. This is an opportunity for someone to be able to drive the same 
layout, essentially the same layout other than the bus stop that, that the guys do in the, in the Rolex 24. It's an amazing opportunity to get to race on the big banks at Daytona. Well, yeah, just, just to hit the high banks alone in a cart. I mean, we talked about it when we went and did the Brickyard. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were going 40 miles an hour around the <laughs> Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I didn't care how fast we were going. It's just to say we've been on there and not just a, a recreational vehicle, but a, a racing machine. And yeah, you can, that's the great thing about Daytona Kart Week. You can come race the road racing part and be on the high banks. And it essentially, it's not about where you finish. It's just about being out there and getting that chance to, 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 to check it off the bucket list and to be able to say, you know, Hurley Haywood, uh, you know, Juan Pablo Montoya, all these guys who are, you know, uh, the Brabham's. I, I don't, there's so many names that have done the 24 hours of oh, Daytona yeah. that, uh, that they're, they're popping into my head right now that I can't say, but it's just to be on that historic circuit that have seen so many names do that same lap over and over again, over 24 hour period and to race yeah, that. Uh, now it's a little different, obviously the, around the 3.56 mile course, um, the international horseshoe, which is a very, uh, famous corner, um, a couple of years ago, WK decided, and I believe with da- with Daytona International Speedway kind of suggesting it, they use that inner loop. And I believe, um, I believe the bikes use that inner loop. If I if I'm correct in that, because it provides more space and in a little bit more safe area, especially with the merging of of carts coming out of the pit. There was no real easy merge yeah. uh, that ha- that that allowed you to get into the International Horseshoe. So now. When you come out of the pits, you go through the actual international horseshoe, but the racetrack is the inner loop below that. So it, it's a great little Copy. safety. It, again, it's it's a little bit of a change, but not that much. And you're still racing Daytona. So I think people got over it really quickly. <laughs> exactly right. And the, the one big one is we don't use the bus stop on the back straightaway, right? That's that again, that's huge. And again, like we talked about earlier, the, the track has gone through so many different changes and they actually used the bus stop for a cup for some years. Uh, but because carts are going so fast and it takes very little to, to go through it, uh, carts, carts were going flat out through it. It became a bit of a safety hazard, uh, with guy, you know, slow carts and fast carts. Yeah. And, and I believe there were some incidents that, uh, they decided, you know what, it's just a lot safer to eliminate the bus stop and go straight through it. So that's, uh, that's one of it. Um, another, another thing they used to do when they used to start, especially back when they had what, 140 carts in one class, they actually used to start from again, because all road racing is Le Mans style start where you come from a standing start and their green flag waves and you go, they used to go from pit lane right out onto the oval and do an entire lap around the oval before they ducked into the infield and did the regular, uh, 24 hour circuit. So they used to do that. Now they go directly right into the infield right away. So that's, that's been a change. That's, I, I don't even think I did it when I was there in the nineties. So it's been a long change, but again, just a little historic note that some of these guys used to do a complete lap around the, oval, <laughs> which would have been cool. Wow. No doubt. Right. So <clears throat> let's segue off of the fact you talked about the bus stop and that there was an issue potentially with some slower and faster carts because one of the things about road racing is is there's so there are a lot of classes right um, they're all bunched into seven race groups so within any one of those race groups you're going to have a different number of categories from the, the Briggs two hundred sixes up to some of the Yamaha pipes they of course do what they can to put the groups together 
in more light speed categories, but there's only so much you can do. And closing rate, like it is in the in the Rolex 24, is pretty great sometimes when you're hustling around at a B stock and you're rolling up against somebody who's maybe 10 or 15 seconds slower a lap. Oh, without a doubt, uh, closing rates are insane. And watching, I mean, you can sit when we're at the sprint track and watching it, a, a group of carts go through the the turns three and four there. And then all of a sudden this fast cart comes around yeah. and passing them all. And like on the high second. side, on the high yeah, side, right? High side. It's, it's what? amazing to watch. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Especially so David- in the future stuff. But yeah, you, as you said, there's seven race groups per day. And basically what they do is they take the 72 classes that they have and they kind of, and it's in a big, it, it's a good mixture of championship point classes and then just local option classes they have for yep. the Daytona event. Um, they just mix them into seven race groups per day. And again, as you said, they kind of base them off lap times and and try to get to where the closing rate's not so humongous. Uh, you know, they, you know, cadets have the track all on their own for one for one race group. So that's good. But you put some Briggs together with some Yamahas and, and you put some Yamahas in with some of the faster categories and you put some of the faster categories in with the shifters and you put some of the shifters in with the unlimited. So it's 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 finding that niche. And again, you know, you want sit ups with sit ups and lay downs with lay downs. They try and do that as best they can as well, too. Talk a little bit about the difference in lap times, David, because I think the, the cool factor about road racing is you talk about cadets and the Briggs Junior 206 guys being out there as well. These young kids getting a feel for road racing, which is so cool. Then you get like the veterans like Johnny West in the limited category, you know, Brian Wilhelm, the folks out there, uh, Keith Freiber. These guys are laying down some pretty amazing lap times. Oh, it's unreal. It's, it is unreal. now again, because we skipped the bus stop, it's, you can't equate it to the same as, as the Rolex 24 yeah. lap time. So it's hard to, it's hard, you know, tracks like mid Ohio, we can kind of relate to, to where they do because it's, it's very similar racetrack there too, as well. But, um, cadets and junior Briggs, uh, now these, these are the slowest categories of, of the event and they're running about a three minute, 15 second lap time. And that's a lot of, uh, flat out on the gas. I, I I don't even know if they slow down when they come into the infield. Probably not. Uh, probably not. But uh, and so you go from that, and then you get into the two minute ranges for a lot of the laydown categories, a lot of the shifter categories, a lot of the tags. Um, all all those categories kind of fall in between. You know, a two minute and a three minute lap time. But really, the the ultimate is the unlimited class, as you said, like a Johnny West or Rick Folks in a in a B stock laydown, or Brian Wilhelm in a in a two fifty laydown, uh, or even the one twenty fives are really fast as well in the laydown. Um, last year, Johnny West did a, a minute fifty three lap time uh, in his two fifty supercart. So it's it's insane the amount of speeds. And again, that's not the fastest that's ever been at Daytona. It's got to be within probably a second or two of the quickest lap done in a cart. But again, you're talking top speeds of probably 150 to 160 miles per hour. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. All right, let's talk about the classes. What, are, what, what do you got down right now for the four largest classes going into the, uh, the road racing component of WK Cart Week? Well, again, like I talked about earlier, it's that it's that bringing sprint racers in and and coming over and being able to come and do that bucket list event, and and a lot of them still follow the uh, the road racing series pretty well. And one of the biggest fa- gatherings I think that we'll we'll see during Daytona Kart Week is the Briggs Two Hundred Six CIK category. And again, it's just your your the same carts you can race at Cup Carts North America or 
KPX out on the West Coast or any other Briggs 206 class that you might have at your local track, you can bring that same cart, change the gearing a little bit and go out and race Daytona. We have 33 pre-entries so far. They'll probably get close. They'll probably get above 40 as they did last year and maybe even close to 50 guys out there. Just again, you're talking what, maybe a two minute, 50 second lap time, I believe somewhere in that range. Uh, You know, and a lot of it is just drafting and on the cast. It's, there's not a lot of driving input into that class. (laughs) It's strategy and being smart and patient, right? Exactly. It's it's a long (laughs) chess game, a long, slow chess game. Uh, Iami Sprint is another one of those that you'll see a lot of big packs uh, racing together. They have 26 in that category. So again, you have your X30 or your even Leopards. Some guys still run the Leopards. Uh, if, take them from the Sprint track and go go hit the big track with a change of uh, just the gearing. So uh, yeah. again, that's a really cool deal. Uh, tag overall. So that's a mixture of every all the tag different tag engines that are out there. That's up at 22 uh, per day. So 22 entries there. And again, um, lay down categories. It's always changing. I, you know, what when we were there in the 2000s, it was 100 cc controlled was really growing, and that kind of fizzled away. And then it came back to Yamaha Sportsman. Uh, now that now everybody's kind of moving over to Yamaha Senior, where uh, they were able to put on the, all the different pipes, exhaust systems that they want on in there. Uh, that's at probably 19 and could probably be growing to anywhere between 30 to 40 carts yeah that's pretty solid uh over 200 pre-entries uh, coming in before that uh, that pre-entry registration deadline uh numbers expected to be well over the 300 mark david if not more that's a, that's a pretty solid number for road race down at daytona yeah I mean, again early these early, days yeah these days yeah. it is uh back in the 80s as as we as I mentioned earlier, they had over a thousand entries during the eighties. Again, categories with 130, 140 carts all in, and it was all laydowns really because the sprint cart uh, portion of road racing didn't really come until the early nineties uh, when we started seeing sprint carts moving into the road racing part of it. It all used to be based around laydown carts. So, I mean, you think about it, a thousand laydown carts, like I. I wasn't, I wasn't actually at Daytona during those years, but in the early nineties, there were still, you still had fields of 20, 30, 40 guys in laydown carts. And I just, it's just amazing just to watch laydowns going through the, through the, uh, the trioval altogether. It's just, it's an amazing sight, something that, uh, it's rare nowadays. And, and I always appreciate it every time I see it. Well, speaking of laydown karting, uh, obviously the enduro, the actual enduro side of uh, of road racing, uh, one of the most famous families, uh, the first family essentially of Daytona is the Folks family, the father Reggie, and of course both Randy and Rick uh, driving as well. I actually had a chance to catch up with with Rick Folks. We talked about WK Kart Week uh, yesterday. Well, we'd like to welcome into this edition of the EKN Outlap a veteran driver in the sport to one of the legends, of course. Uh, Rick Folks, uh, you know, Daytona is part of your family's legend, its history, its story. First off, thank you for joining us here on the Outlap. Thanks, Rob. I, it's my pleasure to be here. It's uh, it's something you guys do every year. You know, it's it's especially since kind of the advent of uh, of social media and Facebook, I'm always waiting for that picture from your shop with you guys getting the carts all prepped <laughs> up, getting ready to go to Daytona. It's kind of like a, you know, a rite of Daytona to, to see that coming, coming down the pipe. Uh, are you guys ready to go? Uh, we're pretty close. We're uh, right. we're almost ready. We haven't loaded yet. Uh, still got a few things left to do. Actually, when I get done here, I'm heading over to the shop to finish up. 
kind of funny story about that picture is I think I posted the first one, I don't know, like in 2013 or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, that was, you know, I, I it, it was, it came with mixed reviews within the team. My brother said, what are you doing showing everybody our stuff <laughs> in advance? And my dad was like, you need to show that every more, more and more. So every year I get pressure from my dad, my 94 year old father to, uh, to post another picture. He's, he's big time into, into Facebook and all the carding sites. Well, the cool thing about, about it, it is the fact that the, where you guys race and, you know, in the lay down world, it's such a custom carding world as opposed to, uh, you know, nowadays it's arrive and drive. It's you just pick up a cart, you put an engine on it, you go racing. It's all spec. Mm-hmm. What you guys do is more like prototype kind of 24 hours uh, of Daytona, you know, Le Mans 24 hour, where it's all kind of super secret of skunk quirks kind of stuff where I'm, I'm sure Randy didn't want anybody to see whatever it was, uh, new fairing or how low the seat was or whatever you guys did. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's truly an art form. There's uh, a, yeah. A lot of ingenuity and a lot of engineering goes into a road race cart. Um, like you said, it's it's not like a uh, CIK sprint package yeah. where everything you buy at the cart shop and you bolt on. Um, and, you know, and that's good and bad. It's, it's bad because uh, a lot of engineers and ingenuity has, uh, has moved past this, this generation. Um, that's kind of more of an old school kind of thing. But for the ones who who do participate, I, I think they they really enjoy the road racing, and you know, not to say they like it better or worse than sprint racing. It's just a different animal. Folks, speaking with uh, Rick Folks, uh, one of the legendary drivers from the WK, and I guess any kind of karting, the road racing world. Him and his family, the Folks, have been around forever. Let's let's look back, Rick. Uh, Rick first, when was your first Daytona Kart Week that you raced? That's a good question. You know, I am not much of a historian. I, you know, I talked to DC and he can tell me what happened in 83 yeah. at some, you know, race. I, I don't remember what I, you know, what I had for lunch yesterday, but, um, I was 12. So do the whatever, math. Do, do the math. Do the yeah. math. Um, and I've been to every, I think I missed, what is this? The 45th? 40, uh, uh, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Daytona cart week coming up. So I've been to every one but one or two over all those years. So I've been doing it a long time. Wow. Okay. That, that's that's solid. And I think '74 was the very first year. They only missed two years in, in there, but for, for road racing, so you were in all of them. That's 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 pretty cool. Now, okay, you don't remember the first time you, you drove there. Do you remember the first time you won at Daytona? I do. I thought, okay. I, it was a uh, it was a monumental yeah. event in in my career because. Uh, you know, unlike these guys that say, you know, I went out, started go-kart racing and, you know, I lapped the field first race or I was, you know, I was winning by the midway through the first season. I was terrible. I, it took me probably three years to even crack in the top five. I just didn't get it. And then one year um, we were racing down in uh, Texas. Uh, I, I basically just jumped into road racing first. I got into sprint racing later Um because that's what, what the family was doing. And I was, you know, I was a 12 year old kid. I didn't really, I couldn't go on my own. So, uh, you know, about, I don't know, 15 years old, I, I, you know, I won a race against some pretty top notch competition at the time. And then I went to the next race and won, you know, I won a race at road Atlanta and it was like some, you know, a switch flipped in my head. 
and we went to Daytona and you know beat some of the some of the top guys of the of the day and that was that was kind of in my mind you know I thought well hey I'm, I'm I actually kind of can do this <laughs> do you, okay what first of all what class was it do you remember the year it was uh what they call it 100 cc controlled stock junior um so what year would no I don't remember the year I I'd be guessing it was somewhere in the in the eighties late eighties okay yeah. we'll, we'll we'll fast forward from the eighties to two thousand seventeen you took it you took a, you know a GoPro uh, in cart video the onboard video right uh, riding your B stock around Daytona we unlimited uh, was it unlimited okay in, in unlimited <laughs> yeah. we put it on the EK and Facebook page David set it up you know made a cool thing put it on the EK and Facebook page and over the last year and a half or two years. It, the video has gained almost a million views, which we always go look at it. We just we're blown away by how many people have watched that video of you driving around Daytona. Can, can you describe other people can watch it, but can you describe what it feels like to go that fast and inch off the ground at a, at a historic place like Daytona? It, it's kind of surreal. It, it's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, in the back of your mind, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you are aware of how fast you're going, especially when you hit the high banks going into NASCAR three and four. And, uh, you know, you're just hoping that it, it, it tracks the, the way it's supposed to. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it moves along pretty good. Um, and the only other time when you're really aware of, of the speed is when you get, you know, through the tri-oval and you get into the braking zone and you know you're kind of you're shutting it down to go into turn one and <clears throat> knowing that i have the video on <laughs> you know I, I i was aware that i had a, a sizable lead but uh i had a feeling this video was gonna get put out there so i didn't want to drive like a big <laughs> sissy going into turn one so uh actually if you watch the video first uh i think it was the first two laps i uh i i kind of baby it going into the corner but lap three or four i i i go in there pretty good and then by that time i'm i'm back on cruise because i i just i'm trying to preserve the lead and not be that idiot that's got a a 25 second lead that's right that's right and not not play for the people that may be watching the gopro video right and then (laughs) then you find out that ends up being over a million views or almost a million views which is crazy now okay let's 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 start this is the w uh, the outlap podcast for the wk cart week so let's talk about this cart week uh what classes are you going to be running this year? I'm going to run three classes this year, and uh, none of them are really related to each other. I'm going to run 100cc controlled on okay. the first day. Um, then also on the first day, I'm going to run B-Stock, which is the, the yeah. dual engine cart. Um, and then on the second day, I'm just going to run uh, Yamaha Pipe because the the you know after Pittsburgh earlier this year um, with 30-some entries – uh, in today's era, that's that's an awesome turnout for a class for a laydown class. Um, there's there's rumors that the Yamaha Pipe class at Daytona will be over forty carts, so I wanted to I didn't want to miss out on that. So I'm I'm gonna spend all day the second day switching the control cart over to Yamaha and try to try to see. If hey, I listen, as a, as a, a lifelong road racer laydown guy. Um, you know, I've always, you, I've been a big fan of watching it since I started in the sport with national cart news, you know, back in the, in the mid, in the mid nineties, rather the, 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 you know, the flow of, of lay down stuff has kind of waned off a little bit, right? Like you said, it's more of a custom deal where you, you know, you, you buy a chassis, you build it yourself, you, you know, you fix your own body work, you, you do all your, your own fine tuning to it. Driving it is of course an art form as well. I, I think it's, it's almost like a lost art. 
but all of a sudden there's been this pushback of even about, you know, not a bunch of younger guys kind of coming in to have 30 plus in a laydown category. How does that make you feel about the future of that class? I, I can tell you that, it, you know, three, four years ago, road racing was on life support yeah. and everybody kept thinking that, you know, we, everybody better soak it up because this stuff's going to go away. There's just not enough to sustain it. Um, but there's been enough, you know, a love of the sport and enough people who, uh, who are, are pushing, uh, and, and all the right ways, I think to, to help grow it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm super excited, you know, everywhere from, and, and it doesn't have to be the lay down stuff, but yeah, we, you know, that is an art form that, uh, that, you know, I don't want to see go away. And, you know, the, the stigma from the, from the man cup side, from the sprint side, from the, you know, the scusa racers and the street racers and all the guys that were running the sprint carts was that, oh yeah, you know, you go out there and lay down on your back and drive around and eat a sandwich while you go down the straightaway and, and it's not real racing. Um, I'll tell you some of the things that really helped push this current wave is, uh, you know, some of the well thought of, uh, sprint racers like Mikey Geeson and, you know, uh, Evan Stommer, who's just kind of stepped into road racing, people like that who are, are trying the lay down stuff, you know, reporting back on social media, how much fun this yeah, is. And, and I think it's, it's gaining some traction. You know, my little plea to, to people who are thinking about it is one, if you ever think about, you know, racing something other than carts and you want to get in a car, there's no better way to learn a track you know, or an actual track that you'll probably be on later with the car than laying a racing a lay down cart because you, you become part of that track. I mean, I know, you know, when I ran the, you know, I ran a, a Porsche here and there for, for a couple of different teams and, uh, you know, went to mid Ohio racing with these guys that had all this experience and went out and, you know, I was, I was fastest guy on the team right out of the box. And they were like, wow. You know, I'm like, well, I've raced in mid Ohio forever. You know, I yeah, know this track that's it. every inch of this track. That's it. No, you're right. It's, you know, the exciting thing is there's, we're seeing that growth, that kind of rebirth, the resurgence of the laydown classes. Like you said, the, the Yamaha category, Yamaha pipe uh, looking so good. And, and and numbers breed numbers. We always talk about that. The more guys that come out and play, draws more right. guys out. When people see a class of 30, 35, man, that could be 40, 45 because it's so much fun. I, I've had a chance to run a laydown before. It's, it's a ton of fun. I've never raced one. I've, I've driven one. I drove a, a laydown pipe. I drove a laydown uh, 125, an F-125 shifter. That was ridiculous at, uh, at Groton. Loved it. But you look at the other side of the spectrum as well. We're talking about kind of the kind of the rebirth of road racing a little bit. And you see the numbers that are in the Briggs 206 class. Drastically different mm-hmm. speed, drastically different discipline. But, you know, they're going to have over 30, probably 35 or 40 uh, Briggs 206s at Daytona as well. So if you're a Briggs racer, who just maybe you ran the, maybe you ran the Cup Carts North America race at Newcastle? Well, take mm-hmm. your stuff and go to Daytona. Tell you you can say that you raced at Daytona. That's the beauty of it. One of the beauties of it, I think. So back up for a second. What did you say you've never raced? I've never what, I've never raced a laydown before. Actually, raced okay. a laydown. We need to remedy that. Oh god. Well, let's talk about that. I, I would love it. I I, I uh, early in my career at National Kart News, I I drove two sessions in a laydown pipe Yamaha pipe at uh, Road America. And mm-hmm. I, I drove Robert Lawson's uh, F125 at a test day at Groton, the laydown shift. Okay. So that, that's the only time I've ever been in a laydown before. Okay. Well, those are two yeah. fun tracks to, to they are. <laughs> cut yeah. your teeth on. Yeah, for sure. I did road race my shifter, my, my CTS125 shifter. I think it was 2000 or 2001 at Mid-Ohio. And that was one of the best times. I, I loved running road racing a shifter. It was so much fun. 
Man. You know, when, when the transition came years and years ago from starting to have more of the sprint classes uh, at the road race events, <clears throat> and, and in all honesty, it came out of necessity because the numbers weren't sustaining the cost of rental. So they had to figure out how to get more people to come to the track to help offset the cost. Okay, um, of so, of course, there was, you know, there was that stigma of, of the sprint guys on the on the road race track. But, you know, that that whole temperature in the room has changed completely. Every, you know, we're all, we're super excited to see them there. I, I liken it to in my, in my town here, the, uh, the YMCA youth soccer, you know, you go out there on a Saturday morning and there's a thousand kids out in that field playing soccer. You know, they're all about two feet tall. Um, you know, by the time you get to the high school and the college level, there's, there's 20 kids playing soccer, yep. but you've got to have that base. And That's that it. base comes from somewhere and it's got to come from sprint racing. It's got to come from the 206. It's got to come from the shifter guys. It's got to come from everybody that wants to, wants to try it. Agreed. No, I think you're exactly right. Okay. Let's, let's, let's get back and cap off this particular segment talking with Rick folks here on the, on the EKN outlap preview podcast of the upcoming WK cart week. There's a rumor that we heard coming around. Uh, we're hoping it's not true, but we want, I'm going to come to you because you're, you're a family member. Obviously the folks family uh, synonymous with Daytona and the WK Road Racing Series. Uh, we heard a rumor that this could be your brother Randy Folks's last Daytona. Is that true? I think that's just wishful thinking for the from the competitors. No, okay. it is not true. We're we're actually uh, you know working as hard as ever on getting the stuff ready for Daytona and beyond. Um, yep. we're, we've got a new trailer on order, so uh, that would be you know, that would be news to me if he was quitting. We are uh, we're planning on going full steam ahead in you know for the next unforeseeable many of uh, seasons. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the hall of famer, well, actually Reggie, my dad, Randy, my brother, are both hall of famers. So uh, they're, they're both planning on being at the track as much as they can in the next. In the- that's, that's what we wanted to hear. Hey, Rick, listen, I appreciate you joining us here on the outlap. Thank you so much. And uh, on behalf of David and I, good luck uh, this year at Daytona. Thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure. You know, David, it's always a pleasure to talk to Rick. We get to see him a lot at the racetrack. Uh, he's uh, one of the top race directors now in the sport. He's a driving instructor as well for his full-time job. But just the whole Folks family, you know, they've been around the sport so long. Mr. Daytona himself, Randy Folks, uh, as as Rick had talked about, not retiring, which I love to hear. They bought a new trailer, so that means they're going to keep rolling. But the bottom line is, uh, Randy Folks, David, 56 wins at Daytona. I'm not sure if he's entered in enough categories to go after number 60, but it's a possibility. 56 wins for Randy. That's that's absolutely amazing. Well, that's why we call him Mr. Daytona. I mean, we've been sure. calling him that for at least a decade now. I can I can remember back. And it's it's always easier to talk to Rick when he's not a race director. So it was it was a good conversation <laughs> you guys had together. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to yell at each other, tell him what he was doing wrong. Exactly. Right? We didn't have to tell him what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. He tells us what we're doing wrong driving wise because he can do that. But uh, we like to tell him what he's doing wrong race track. You know, Dave, the interesting thing is before I talked to Rick, we, we moved to the, to the interview we had. You and I talked about the fact there's a bit of a resurgence in the lay down stuff. You could just hear it in Rick's voice, couldn't you? That 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 he just he, number one he loves being in the shop with the family, uh, the work they do on their carts. You know like, like these. I remember I remember talking to Brandon Fry about it when I first was working for National Cart News back in the in the late nineties about road racing and and uh, and Brandon tell me how much work he had done to try to get himself lower in the cart and you know they did some you know inner wheel wells all the stuff they did and then they'd come to Daytona and they'd see what Randy and Rick had on the cart. 
I'm like, oh my God. We took, I remember taking a picture for, for National Cart News and it had, I want to say it was, it was Randy and Brandon. And I'm not sure who the other driver I had in their cart. So we had them, I had them like right in front of the Daytona sign on the wall on pit lane. I took a shot, really, you know, a low down shot of all these three laydowns with the Daytona in the back, you know, posed this cool picture. And when Brandon saw it, he's like, damn it. He goes, I thought I was so low in that cart. And in this picture, Randy's like two inches, his helmet's two inches lower than mine. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it was so funny that Brandon was so, so pissed off about that. Well, that's what kind of road racing has always been. It's not yeah. your cookie cutter type. Um, where you take the, everybody has a very similar or identical cart and you go out and racing road racing is still kind of that mechanics area where guys like to tinker on things like to, again, especially at Daytona, it's all about aerodynamics. And, and so guys have been working for the last 12 months trying to, to better what they had last year as far as aerodynamics and try and get better any way they possibly can. But I think when you, like you were talking earlier and kind of what Rick mentioned uh, it's, it's getting those guys who are interested in doing stuff like that. And even some of the vintage stuff, like guys are coming over, uh, and racing vintage laydowns, uh, from the sixties and seventies and even eighties. Like, like your dad. Dad. so it's just, you My know, God. it's just getting back to basics, uh, type feel. And, and again, with road racing, it's not so much about the, the, the intense competition. It's just going out there and making laps and having a good time. Uh, but you have yeah. the, that side again, because you, you say, say that to Rick folks, you don't see that when he's in Daytona, like there's no fun Rick folks at Daytona. Like he's all business out there <laughs> because he wants to win and be the fastest. But, uh, you look throughout the other side of the paddock and there's guys that are just happy to be there, you know? And that's, that's a great, yeah, that's, that's a great thing you have with road racing. And as he said, the laydown stuff is kind of coming back just because it's it's getting the the eyes of some of the younger racers, like you said, Evan Stommer or Mike Geeson, and, and that's kind of and Patrick Olson. He's another one. He's doing a, a tw- he's got yeah, the exactly. twin uh, beast that he's going to be running in Unlimited. So that's that's going to be very interesting to see if we can keep getting some of these younger kids. I say kids, but younger people, younger generation involved in road racing. Well, here's one thing I want to bring up too. Now, obviously, we get take a chance to kind of educate people when we're doing an outlap like this who may be sprint racers, but they're listening to the whole podcast. One of the other cool things, and what is different about road racing too, unlike sprint racing where you maybe buy another, you're, you're having a fresh chassis every time you're racing. If you're at the national level, every race is a new cart, or every couple races, or uh, you know you buy a new cart every year, every two years. A lot, a lot of these chassis aren't getting made anymore, right? Guys are making custom chassis, but there's a lot of guys out there on Margays or CKIs or whatever that they've been driving for 10, 15 years, right? The chassis doesn't flex out as much. So you can run a, you can run a chassis a lot longer. It's all about more, it's, it's more like an F1 style where you're able to, to, to design, you're able to uh, be innovative and change things around. There's just so much innovation and performance when it comes to road racing. Yeah. Guys will hack off, you know, the C, cl- the C clamps and, 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 put on different ones maybe, that's, that's maybe between yeah. races or they, they, they might add some, some bars here or there or, but yeah, t- typically road racing chassis last year after year. And there's, you don't have to go out and buy a new one. So that's, that's almost an affordable style of racing is road racing because you don't have to do anything uh, to the card if you don't want to. Um, but yeah, there's very, there's changes here there and there that you can do, but guys, yeah, as you said, guys aren't going out and buying a new frame after every race weekend for road racing. You know, Dave, you know, the one part about that interview that kind of gave me the, the wigglies a little bit there was when, uh, when Rick got all fired up that I'd never, I never raced a lay down. 
You hear that part? Yeah. Well, it, I'm telling you what, if the, the, the invitation's there because he's offered it to me many, many, many times. And I said, no, because I just don't trust myself. But <laughs> I, you, you're obviously old enough to where you don't care anymore. And so you could just go out and do it. That's true. And I, well, I can also go 75 or 80% around the racetrack and be very, very happy with myself being in a lay down. Like I said, I driven, I drove Robert Lawson's F one twenty five. He He gave me the opportunity to, to drive that lay down shifter at, um, at Groton and it was just ridiculously cool. So it's, I, I as soon as he jumped on that, I went, no, please don't. But <laughs> I have a couple, I got some free weekends this year. So I don't know. I we'll think see. mid Ohio is calling oh, you. My God. All right. We'll talk about that. That'd be, that, I think that'd be super interesting. We'll see. I don't, I don't know. All right. Listen, Dave, um, <laughs> let's cap this thing off. Let's talk. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the dirt world championships. It's not something, again, as we said, we focused on, um, you know, we had, you know, Kevin Williams gave us a little indication, run through some of the, some of the, uh, the, the specs of the event, just to kind of bring our, our sprint racing, EK and nation guys, sprint and road racing guys from EK and nation up to speed on what's happening dirt wise. Yeah, this is the 38th edition of the dirt world championships by, uh, WKA, uh, all, only one year was missed. That was in since the 1981. Um, it's it's been uh, again. It's had its ups and downs. Uh, early, obviously, as we talked about earlier, at, when it was at the uh, the stadium, it had entries of probably what 2,000. I want to say. Yeah, I want to say over 2,000. Yeah, yeah, or 2,000. So it's and again, these are guys who race typically every. It's it's almost similar to like World of Outlaws and 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 sprint and midget guys where they just go and they race at different racetracks whenever they can, whenever whenever the tire budget allows them, whenever yeah. you know uh, this the, their work schedule allows it. So it's a it's a really cool and unique event. And again, it's uh, it runs from the twenty sixth to the twenty eighth. Twenty seventh is um, the practice day. Right, I I got those days mixed up. Sorry. Um, the 27th is practice day. 28th is the first day of racing. 29th is day two of racing. And they save the 30th in case, uh, rain does hit the area because they can just move it to the next day. Yeah. Uh, because again, these guys, these guys are racing for money. So, uh, they're, they're there to win money. Uh, a lot of, a number of the categories are done, um, as a pro category. Um, one of the things though, about the event, um, that has been, um, a, a positive is the the extensive track preparation that has been done over the last two years now uh, with WKA and the Daytona International Speedway. Essentially, the speedway has kind of just let the, the track sit there as AMA doesn't use the facility that that track anymore. So WKA yeah, it was a flat. It was say that it was it was, it was initially designed at, at for, not just for karting but for the flat track bikes as exactly. well. Exactly. Right? So during cart week or di- bike week, it was that's when it was used, and then it just sat. And so it was very un- unless you put the time and effort into it, the track was never really uh, at, at a good raceable surface that that a lot of these dirt races are used to going in going to all the many different dirt tracks they go to. Last year, WK brought in a, a few people to to make sure the prep the preparations done correctly. And I think it was probably one of the best tracks they've ever had at the, at the Daytona international speedway, uh, flat track that they do use now. And so they've taken that, uh, the same people and they brought them back again this year. So they're hoping for an even better and smooth surface that uh, they'll be racing on this year. Yeah, 18 classes per day, seven of those being warm-up races for the money race later in the day. Uh, one of the big supporters, of course, of the program is Max's Tires. Top three are Max's Tires uh, if you finish on the podium. 
Uh, as you said, David, though, nine classes running for a cash purse, $1,500 purse for junior one, junior two, junior three, semi-pro heavy, super heavy and senior champ, 800 bucks going to the winner, a $2,000 purse for pro stock heavy and pro stock medium, a grand going to the winner, 700 and 300 for, uh, for the rest of the podium, $5,000 purse though for the all pro category, 3,200 bucks to win. Pretty solid cash there for, uh, for the dirt component of cart week. It, it's it's really cool to see these guys going at it because it's 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 really a race of inches because any little mistake and a, and another guy is going to take advantage of it and then he's got three guys behind him that are going to go by so you could you could lose ten spots or gain ten spots in a matter of one turn so it's going to be very uh, another exciting uh, event uh, and one of the things that they're going to do this year now is they have an, the uh, an all pro knockout race. Uh, on day two, they're going to take the top finishers uh, from the all pro event and do a 20 lap race. Uh, they're going to invert that field and do a 20 lap race with the last cart being black flagged off every two laps. I think they called that a Calcutta. Australian pursuit. Australian pursuit. That's what it Cal- was. Calcutta is when you bet on a driver. When you bet. Well, I'm sure there'll be some of that too, but that could happen too. Yeah. Uh, Australian yeah. pursuit. Australian I like pursuit. That. Yeah, we I, I remember doing this in sprint racing. We used to do this uh, at club races once in a while. Uh, so it's a, a little fun, interesting thing. Uh, so um, so it's fifteen hundred to to win that race, and they'll do a five hundred bonus if the winner of the All Pro race actually wins this knockout. So he'll be leaving there with uh, I believe fifty two hundred dollars in total. Yeah, that's pretty good cash. So, <laughs> that's pretty cash. good cash. Yeah, the uh, the uh, Australian Pursuit Supercarts USA used to do that as well. It's called the Dash for Cash, and that was for a thousand bucks. I remember that. One of the other things as part of this program, David, is one of my favorite categories. And I remember when I first started seeing these carts when I went to the uh, the Tulsa Shootout uh, for the carting of it there. Unlimited All Stars also running on both days. These things are essentially the most badass deals you can have in dirt oval racing. Wedge bodies, a bunch of different engines 450s uh you know all, all these different engines that are built but unlimited all-stars running there as well i know that when you were there you got a chance to watch it pretty cool they're amazing to watch <laughs> uh i think on the the smoother track now they're even quicker because yeah. again anytime there's bumps it kind of slows their progress because they're really built around momentum and keeping keeping on that gas uh through the corners to keep that that downforce down and and uh yeah so uh, not as many as, as they've had previously last year. So hopefully the numbers will grow for uh, for this year's event. All right, folks, we're going to cap this thing off with one more break in the action. When David Cole and I come back from this uh, this little commercial break, we're going to talk about our own personal memories from our time at the WK Cart Week. Hi, EKN listeners. This is Jeff Wessel from Streeter Superstands. When it comes to lifts and stands for your carts and the largest selection of shop and trailer accessories, we know all about building and giving you the best. The Streeter Superstance crew has over 30 years of experience, are kart racers just like you, and know that the Streeter name stands for durability, affordability, and most of all, quality. We're the original and genuine manufacturer of Bigfoots and Stacker Stands, and we build them right here in the USA, along with our best-selling Streeter Superlift, upright stands, and an ever-growing roster of shop and trailer accessories to outfit any trailer or garage. While some guys pretend to be number one, we prove it every day, every race. Racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstand builds it. Check us out at StreeterSuperstands.com. When it comes to the best in lifts, stands, shop and trailer accessories, and all the cool necessities to make your race day easy and organized, it's all at StreeterSuperstands.com. We innovate, not imitate. 
Roll with the best right now at StreeterSuperstands.com. History. Success. Family. Those are the three words that describe Comet Cart Sales, one of the longest tenured carting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside of Indianapolis, and they have provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers throughout their near six decades of business. Comet's online store features everything you need, continually adding new parts to their product line. Comet Kart Sales attends dozens of karting events every year, offering trackside service for racers and families. Karting veterans Mark Dismore Jr. and Gary Lawson provide one-on-one driver coaching and tuning assistance for each trackside customer. The engine building business, Comet Racing Engines, has won countless major events and championships over decades of karting, and they continue to offer the best trackside service in the industry. Make sure you head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be a part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. When you think racing tire in the U.S., one name stands out, Huger. The history of Huger racing tire is one of an American dream and is the tire designed for champions. At the end of 2018, Margay Racing became the sole United States and Canadian karting distributor, establishing Hoosier Kart Sport. Throughout 2019, Hoosier Kart Sport has expanded the Hoosier brand to kart shops, tracks, clubs, and racing series across North America, focused on grassroots programs. Four different compounds are available through Hoosier Kart Sport. The R55 is among the most popular with shifter kart categories. The R60 and R70 serve the two-cycle and four-cycle community at the club and regional level. The R80 is the official compound of the Margate Ignite program. The Hoosier Wet has been tested to the limits and ranks among the top rain racing tire in karting today. With a wide range of compounds and a made-in-the-USA racing heritage, Hoosier Kart Sport has the tire you need for your track, series, or personal racing needs. Head to HoosierKartSport.com today to find your nearest dealer and follow them on all social media platforms by searching Hoosier Kart Sport. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number three of a brand new podcast that we launched just before the Scusa Super Nationals, the EKN Outlap. Essentially, we're using it as a preview podcast to kind of have a look at an event that we're going to or one that's coming up. We won't be at WK Kart Week this year, but we did want to give it an outlap to kind of fill th- uh, fire things up because it is essentially as we said from the top of the podcast, the first event of 2020. All right, David Cole, let's talk personal memories. You and I have both had a chance to be there. Uh, we've raced as well. Interesting, you raced the road race. I actually raced at the dirt track. I haven't raced the road course. I haven't raced Manufacturer's Cup. I actually raced at the dirt track. But tell me some personal memories of yours from WK Kart Week. Yeah, my first experience was in 1996. I have the picture looking right at me uh, here in my office. Uh, we finally got to, I was actually a senior in high school and my dad was decided it was going to be his last year. He told my mom, it's going to be his last year racing. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> 25 years later or 20. <laughs> I know it's hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. That made me laugh. That made me laugh. Bob, so, Cole not racing. What are you talking about? Yeah, I um, know. It's insane to think about that. So he's like, I want to, I got to, he's like, I got to go to Daytona. So my, so he convinced my mom that we'll do it as a family trip, you know? And, uh, I was, so I was just started racing a couple of years before that full time, uh, 
at a good pace because my, my earlier start when I was younger was not good. So, uh, so I was racing a Yamaha pipe sprint cart and he was actually racing hundred CC controlled lay down at the time. And, uh, I want to say one of my uncles raced with us that year. I, I can't remember. Oh, it's on the other side of the office. I can't see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we all went down as a family, uh, did made a couple stops here and there on the way down. We, we stayed overnight in like Chattanooga, and, uh, and then got down there, um, the day before practice day, stayed on the beach, of course, typical, uh, Daytona fashion. Um, did, I think we, we stayed afterwards and did like the Daytona USA tour and stuff like that, um, for their, uh, I, I don't think it's called Daytona USA anymore, but whatever that, uh, museum is outside the, uh, the facility there. Um, we did that. Uh, yeah. So just, I think one of the, just being there was, was a great memory and, um, uh, a great, uh, time in our, and, uh, in our family's history, just, uh, we were all together, uh, at the racetrack and, uh, just something you'll never forget racing wise though. I sucked. Yeah. And I, 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 I was not good. Um, I rem- I, I don't know if it was that year or if it was in 98 when I went back that, uh, I stuck piston after piston after piston i think we had an air leak and we didn't know it so uh it wasn't anything i did it was just the engine was uh not at 100 percent uh capacity so yeah uh, so that for me personally that's where i'll always take take uh think about when i think of daytona but uh, over it's been a, a very exciting to go back and and be a uh a media guy there and and just kind of take it in every year um, I always go to the road racing side every year I go down there. I got to get the, uh, the selfie photo with Daytona in the background and, and, uh, yes, but yes. just to see yep. the road racing family, cause I don't really see them anymore other than there, I think now. Um, so, uh, but yeah, just, it just really cool now that they built, I don't know. Did you, you probably used to go in the old tunnel as well too. Now they have the new tunnel in turn one. The old, the, yes, I love going down yeah. the old tunnel because it's so narrow and confined and you're like, oh my gosh, where are we going? And we're like, oh, we're in the Mecca of <laughs> racing. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way anytime I, I, I come out of the tunnel at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's just this unbelievable kind of thing that makes, gives you the, gives you the willies. Yeah. So it, the funny thing is, is that you know, what, for the last 15 years or actually yeah, let's say the last 15 years we've been kind of focused here on e-carding news on all the sprint racing stuff and you know road racing but back in the you know i think from 2000 for what five or six years i had a magazine called speedway usa so it was just focused on on dirt oval racing not dirt and asphalt oval racing and uh i, I remember getting a chance to race a couple times here and there and uh it was jody miller and todd miller and harold wiggins from phantom racing chassis said you're gonna be at daytona you got to race. You got you got to come and run the dirt the dirt race. And I'd run a couple of dirt races and had some decent success. Uh, but I knew that Jody's cart was going to be strong. Todd Miller built a fantastic flathead engine, still does. And I was going to run <laughs> Senior Champ and Star Champ with a Tecumseh Star engine. And I think it was two thousand two. And that was Dave. We talked about how many numbers they had back then. I want to say there was a hundred guys in both of my classes. And so I wasn't sure. You know, obviously the tires are so, so important, but you know, Jody's like, don't worry. We got you. We got a brand new Phantom. It was a, it was called a big buggy was the name of it. We, you know, we had Speedway USA on the side. I had my suit and everything running champ. And, uh, it was amazing. I went there and I remember, I think, I think you got a couple, maybe one practice session. Maybe I don't think it was just one. Maybe I don't think it was even two. It was out of the municipal stadium, the dirt track. And, uh, 
And I remember a hundred guys in the class and I think 40 started the main event and they did two qualifying runs. So the first qualifying run, the top 20 locked in the second qualifying session, the next 20 locked in. And I remember being out there in the, in the senior champ class and I'm, I'm boogieing around. I, I didn't feel real comfortable yet. The you know, cart hadn't come in quite yet. And, and I think it was only like four or five laps was your, was your qualifying. And I remember coming around, I want to say I was like 28th or 29th uh, in my group of, of 50 guys. And I came around the corner and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And I remember Jody, like, you got to go for it. And I went down to turn one and there was a guy on the inside and I was going to go around him. Well, I, this is lap four of the five. Well, I just didn't lift at all. Cause I was lifting a little bit, getting comfortable. You can't lift there. You have to go, you know, you have to be flat out all the way around. I just wasn't comfortable. Finally, I just pinned it and around, I went around the outside and I'm like, man, this thing's going to stick. And I came back around that final lap. I didn't lift. I had open racetrack, went all the way around and I had no idea. When I came off to the scales, Jody's standing there just pumping his fists, and I ended up qualifying sixth out of 100 guys. So I was pumped, and I think I qualified sixth for star champ as well. Uh, the cart was great. I got a good feel for it. Uh, we missed the gearing, and I think I went back to sixth to 13th. I think I finished 13th, um, and I got beat up a little bit and got shoved on the outside because our gearing wasn't there. I was... It, it was a little, I was coming on too much late, late. I needed a little more bottom. Uh, and then I think I finished, I want to say I finished 10th or 11th in star champ. Uh, but you know what? A couple of top 15 finishes made me happy, but it was fun to be able to get in there. Jody and Todd Miller, among two of the best guys I've ever met in the sport. Harold Wiggins, of course, an absolute legend. And, and to be able to run his stuff there uh, was amazing. But uh, yeah, it was, it was an experience for sure, David. It was, it was wild when I came off. That was one of the coolest things. I've won a bunch of races, not a ton. But I remember coming off the scales and having Jody at the other side of the scales pumping his fist that I'd qualified six. That was just, now, that was now the champ is is the roll cage the carts. The, the roll cage carts. Now, yeah. got, now you cage ran carts. two different chassis, correct? One no, per, I ran, no, no, ran, ran, no, we ran. Uh, I ran start uh, senior champ on the one day, star champ the next day. Okay, so, so the same, same car, pulled, just pulled different yeah, engine out. Okay. Pulled the engine out. Tecumseh. The thing about the Tecumseh, which is crazy, was you know Jody was telling me, listen. You don't like you don't sit here and warm the engine up because there's so the, the piston is so big on that on that engine on the Tecumseh when they, when we used to run that deal the Star Champ that if you if you like were just tapping it bop 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 it would just it would break the crankshaft or break the break the you know the output shaft so, so it's it's like just throw, you feather it on and go you don't just it's like the it's like the old leopard clutches. You don't sit there and idle it and rev it up no. while you're sitting still. No. You got to just step on it and go. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. I, and I, I do remember this because whatever year it was, it must have been 2002 that I ran Mid-Ohio. Because I remember being, I remember running Mid-Ohio in my shifter, my CTS 125 shifter. Um, and I think in the rain or whatever, we were like 112 or 114 miles an hour in the back straightaway in the rain, right? So the speed was there. Well, I remember being on the grid, talking to a couple of the guys at Daytona, which Municipal Stadium was a bit was a big fast track, and I think in the Star Champ we were seventy miles an hour at the back straightaway. And the guy was like, "Man, Rob, are you okay with this? You know, it's seventy miles an hour." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm okay with seventy miles an hour. I did one fourteen about a month and a half ago." So it was it's, it's such a different discipline. I really like the oval stuff. Well, I I would I would jump behind the wheel of an oval cart anytime because it's so much fun. But it was so different within those what October to so two months October to December running such totally different disciplines. Well, the track at the stadium was around a football field. So essentially it was, it was yeah. like a quarter mile um, track, like a running yep. track, but it was paid or put down with uh, with clay and, and dirt it's or like, whatever. But it was, 
but it wasn't like it wasn't like seashells or something like that. Probably, it was like yeah, crushed it, seashells it was, or something like that. It was probably this. I don't to be honest because I never got to go. So because the, the the one year I was going to go, they had like no turnout whatsoever. So they were done by the time we were done at the sprint track. So I was yeah, never. 2000, 2000, 2002 was before you were with us. You didn't start yeah, with us till yeah. 2004. The, yeah. the last time they were there in 2005, I was at the sprint track working and we didn't have because we got done so late every day i tried to get over the dirt track but they had wrapped up so early because the numbers were that was that the that uh change in era of the uh of dirt program back then so i was never actually able to go watch a race at the stadium hey i've got i got one more personal memory from us from daytona i i know exactly what you're talking about so so in 2004 was when David joined eCardingNews.com and his first big race, you know, I, I had purchased eCardingNews.com and our first big race was um, at Supercarts USA Super Nationals. And of course, was it? Yeah, it was 2004. Correct. So David comes on. He is now going to be essentially the managing editor of eCardingNews.com. I still had, uh, I still had Shifter Card Illustrated, which was Supercard Illustrated by that point, I believe. Um, might have been, Actually, it might have been just Shifter Card Illustrated still. So we go down to Daytona. And we're going to, you know, of course, we're, you know, we got to get, we're trying to get David and I back to our families to, to, to cap off the, the, the season for, for New Year's rather. And <laughs> so we, we had a ride. We set up a ride from the track back to Orlando where we had, where, you know, where our flights were, but we were going to miss, I think, the final two main events on the second day, Saturday, whatever day it was. We were going to miss those, those final two main events because they pushed a little late. Yeah, we got to go. It's an hour and a half, whatever, drive a little back to Orlando. I think we were sitting watching with George Arellano from Ocala Grand Prix. And George says, you guys can't miss this. You can't miss it. He goes, don't worry about your ride back to Orlando. I have my plane here. We'll watch the final. We'll go over to the airport, which is right beside, obviously, the municipal airport. The regional airport is right beside the speedway. We'll hop in my plane, and I'll drop you off in Orlando. And so I remember, here's David Cole. Uh, joining eCarding News, does the Super Nationals, goes to Daytona for the uh, for the <laughs> for the uh, for the Manufacturers Cup race, road race, everything, and when he ends up flying in a private plane back from Daytona to Orlando. And all I could tell him when we got off the plane was, "Don't expect this to happen on a regular basis." <laughs> and it hasn't since. <laughs> it hasn't since. Um, but but that was- mind you, I think that was like only the third time I flew. What? Yes, because I flew one time in. No, sorry, maybe like fourth or fifth. And at the time, I did not like, I still don't like heights, but I got sick all the time flying. Just, I just, my stomach does not handle it very well. I've gotten better over the 15 years now, but yeah, it was like only the fourth time I had flown because I flew once in high school and then another time for a honeymoon and then Vegas. So I think it was like the fourth time I flew for anywhere. I didn't remember that. And the funny thing is, it was such a hop, skip, and a jump. Like I think the flight was 25 minutes or something like that. We never lost cell phone service. No, we were calling so people. You, <laughs> yeah. So if you obviously didn't like heights, we were. you could see. It's not like you were above the clouds. You were. We saw everything. I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I called my wife for that for that trip as well, too. You, you so. probably did. That, that was cool from, from George to give us a ride back. And that was yeah. obviously an experience. One of the, our memorable parts of being at, at WK Cart Week. I remember that. I just had to remind you. No, David, you didn't have. I think about that all the time. Oh this yeah, no doubt how, about it. This is not how we roll at Harding at Howden Media Group. We don't. Uh, this is probably not going to happen again. But yeah, you know what? We've had some good times down there. We've had a chance to watch some some really good racing. 
I, I, I'm a big fan of the track. I, and I know it's access roads and, and whatever it may be inside of turn number four, three and four at Daytona. But I've, anytime I've been there, there's, you know, with the 90 degree corners they have and a couple of the corners they've, you know, that are designed, I've always thought it just races really well. There's a lot of places to pass. I, I think it's a great sprint track. I, I always have. I, I, I particularly like the S's section coming onto the main Agreed. straightaway. Yeah. It's old school. I love that. Uh, it provided one passing zone there and another coming out because it made it easier for for you to get a pass coming out to where now it's it's a flat out run to the to it's it, but the last corner is pretty difficult. Uh, a lot of guys struggled getting through that. So um, so there is still a passing opportunity, but it's more of a pat of a draft opportunity. Yeah, because it's not too hard of a breaking zone. Where when they went through the little S's section, that was. A little bit of a hill back down. Um, it was it was more fun and exciting, but still, uh, yeah. Overall, the track is a, a very raceable track. Um, again, a lot of opportunities to pass, and and a lot of opportunities to uh, set uh, set yourself apart from from the rest of the field. You know, lastly, David, for me, one of the cool things is is anytime you're working the track. I, you know, I've never announced the races. You, you've had Eric Brennan there the year that I handled the the EK and Trackside Live. We had Xander Clements on the mic. It's always at the start of, of every uh, road race. Well, you know, the tracks, we've got stuff going on the sprint track. And all of a sudden, you know, the start's coming and everybody comes around banking three and four. And you, you, the, the backdrop of the sprint track is the entire race group of road race working the way around. I've just that I've always thought that's one of the unique opportunities, the unique vantage points and, and really experiences in, in North American karting is to see the sprint track on and then everybody roll on a crowd at a turn three and four. I've always thought that's super cool. Yeah. It's, it's a very similar to the old Charlotte motor speedway yep. uh, track that's inside turns three and four there. Uh, so back in the old North American karting championship days, uh, that was uh, a unique aspect to it. It, it makes it easier for me because my family would be road racing. And so I'm down <laughs> there covering uh, yep. in, inside Daytona there, the, the man cup race. And I'm able to look up and kind of keep track as I'm out there taking photos or, or doing uh, the radio network commercials or anything like that. I'm, I'm able to look up and see, you know, try and time out their, their lap times, you know, visually, you know, <laughs> mentally and, and make sure they're coming around every lap and, and, and be able to watch their race. And again, just to be able to watch friends racing and, and kind of keep track of what's going on out on the road racing uh, circuit. It's, but yeah, like I said, you're going to see with the, the Briggs, category and the tags and the shifters you're going to see groups of maybe 10 12 20 carts coming around daytona three and four there all right david wrap things up let's uh, let's cap off this edition of the ek outlap let's uh, let's talk about our social media channels uh for those of you who may not be at wk you can, you can follow our channels you can follow wka's channels as well uh make sure you use the hashtag at our uh, hashtag cart week david wrap things up yeah, uh, WK has been running a contest with a cart week uh, hashtag on social media. Uh, I believe they're going to keep running that up and through the event. So even if you're at home, you're watching on race monitor, you know, do a little screen grab and put it up on, on social media and use that hashtag cart week. Make sure you tag uh, uh, World Karting Association and even tag us and we'll try and get it shared because, again, all three programs will be on race monitor. So you'll be able to follow the results through that. So, folks, we are done with our third edition of the EKN Outlap, essentially starting the 2020 season. The WK Cart uh, Week with Manufacturers Cup, with Road Race, with dirt, the Dirt World Championships. 
Yeah, it's part of 2019, but really it kicks off the 2020 season. We are here. It's holiday season. Christmas and New Year's are coming. But as always, this tradition of having this race at Daytona International Speedway. On behalf of David Cole, folks, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.